I had the whole Bible um, because I'm talking about Israel and um, the revelation that the Lord has given them and that that is the whole Bible. So it was so much. And this morning I kind of was in the basement, like in my little um, sewing studio and going to pull it all together. And then the Lord said, um, you should ask Tom and Sam to share their testimony about growing in prayer, because that's what I'm going to talk about, growing in prayer for Israel. And so I was like, all right, six o'clock this morning, I text Tom and Sam, and I said, hey, do you want to do this? Um, I assume they prayed about it, and they said yes, so it was really generous. So um, I'm going to talk for just a few minutes. I'm going to talk for 20 minutes, and then I'm going to stop, and then um, Tom and Sam and I, I'm going to ask them questions, um, and they're going to they're going to flow in the Holy Spirit, and they're going to tell us what there is to tell. Um, so I'm really excited about that, really thankful for them and their flexibility, um, and also their love. The, they're letting the Lord grow for Israel. Um, so I'm just going to pray really quick uh, again. Father, um, just thank you for revelation. Thank you that um, you, you want to be known. You want us to know you. Um, you're interested, even though you know everything about us, you want us to open the door of our heart to be known by you. Thank you that you're relational. Um, thank you um, that you called a man to leave his father's land and go forward with you. And, and that has been um, your call to humanity ever since, is to leave the place where we're at and to go forward with you. And so, Lord, I'm, uh, we just bless your name for giving um, the grace, for calling us. And forgiving the grace for us to move forward with you in all the little ways, all the big ways that we've each moved forward with you. And um, yeah, just pull out of my notes um, what is important in Jesus' name. All right, so I think, I do believe years ago, the first time that I ever led a prayer set, um, I was filling in for Tom, and it was the Israel set at, um, at KHOP. And so I just, like, I knew it, but as I was writing this, I'm like, oh, that is actually my first experience with leading a prayer set was covering for Tom, um, like, you know, when he was out of town or whatever, and it was the Israel set. Um, and those sets were two hours long. And so imagine, you guys, the people who have prayed in the prayer room for a minute, like, do you agree Israel's difficult to pray for? His, like, um, the other one I would say is young people, kids, and that I think there is just like spiritual um, resistance against praying for kids. Israel, I think we get caught in our own head and don't know how to pray. Um, I think they're actually two different things. But uh, for me, those have been the two most difficult types of sets, um, Israel and, and for young people or kids. Um, and so I, I remember I had a clipboard. I still had a clipboard back then because Sam Stoltz had a clipboard, and that's how she did it. And so I didn't know how to lead a prayer set, but she had a clipboard, so I had a clipboard. And I would I, rem, I can see the lined paper in my eyes, and I can be like, all right, it's going to be two hours. Bites. Just take bites. Divide it in half. Okay, you've only got one hour. And because I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to pray. I'd been in church for a very long time and how to pray. And so and then I would be like, all right, break it that in half and then break that in half. So 15 minutes. Okay, for 15 minutes, we're gonna pray for Israel for this thing. And I would find like four or five verses for that one thing because 
that was something I kind of got a hold of really quick was if you pray scripture, you probably won't sound like a moron. And, and all of this pressure to not say things that weren't God, you know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, praying by yourself is one thing. You can say like the dumbest things to God. I mean, he's heard us all say ridiculous things, but when you're in public, you don't want to sound like an idiot and you don't want to say stuff that's wrong. <laughs> you want to be a heretic. Oops. And, and so I was so anxious about this prayer set. And so I would just like divide it up. Um, and I take a lot of comfort in knowing that the disciples had been with Jesus for some time. And they're like, teach us to pray. That w- they didn't ask that on day one. They asked that on like year two. Teach us to pray. Hey, you seem to be praying, which means like Jesus wasn't giving them a bunch of lectures about praying. They had their religion and they were doing their religious thing. And they probably just observed over time, hey, some, there's something, he's got something different going on. Hey, can you teach us what you know about prayer? And so one thing I would just say is um, prayer is like walking. You know, Jem is just like toddling around. She's probably still tripping and falling a good bit. But um, you've, got, you've got that kind of walker all the way to an Olympic athlete that is, you know, those people that jump over the hurdles and somehow don't like cream their faces on the, on the asphalt. Um, you, we should be asking to learn how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. Always. None of us have arrived. No one's arrived at prayer. And it's something that we can and should be growing in. And I didn't know that. So I would say, this is a whole other testimony, but just my, my church background, you're not taught how to pray. You're told that prayer is so important And yet it's the least done activity in any church service. It takes up the least amount of time. And so how are you supposed to learn how to pray when you never hear people pray? Um, Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Um, So let's go to, I'm just going to, the title that he gave me, because I'm only going to talk for like 15 more minutes, was uh, Praying for Israel, a People of Promise and Revelation. And so from people who have prayed for a little bit and are saying, like, actually, Israel can be a little bit difficult to wrap your head around and pray for. Um, so this is kind of just a exhortation on growing in prayer and asking the Lord to help us grow in prayer for Israel. Um, so let's go to Romans 3. So in Romans 2, right before it, um, Paul is saying that the Jews, my headline says, the Jews guilty as the Gentiles, right? Like it didn't matter. You were keeping the law. You were circumcised, and it didn't matter. You're still lost, and you still need salvation. Um, So we know that we should be praying for the salvation of Israel. That's like... This is what I would suggest in anything when you're trying to grow in prayer. It's great. Keep a little... Get a clipboard, keep a notebook, have your verses. I know this is true. I know this is true. I know this is true. And when you have like a skeleton of scripture that you know is true, that you can pray from, the Holy Spirit comes and it it doesn't, it won't be dry. He'll fill in all of the other spaces with the Holy Spirit, that you'll be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, So Paul has just said um, that the Jews are as guilty as the Gentiles. And then in three, 
he asks um, a number of rhetorical questions in the book of Romans. He says, well, what advantage then has the Jew or what is the profit of circumcision? Great question. What was the point in being Jewish and is there any benefit to it? And he says, much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. Now, I think of, when I think of the Jewish people, what sets them apart, what makes them different are the promises of God. And he's saying right here, it's the oracles or the revelation of the Lord, um, right? And and so, like, kind of the promises, so that's why I titled it, there are people of promise and a people of revelation. And, and what the Lord... to kind of summarize what the Lord would say is um, when somebody else has a promise it is their promise and you need to be very careful to not try to usurp or steal that promise in any way Um, and when people have revelation all revelation every time the Lord reveals himself to us it is twofold it's to increase the fear of the Lord in our lives, and it is to give us his heart so we will draw closer to him to actually grow in confidence in his love. So we should be grow all revelation should get us growing in fear of the Lord and also confidence. It's it's both things at the same time. And so when you know that there is a people that the Lord has committed so much revelation to, but they're not growing really in the fear of the Lord and they're not growing in the confidence of his love, um that they are, um, that they're this backslidden kind of like, um, they're unfaithful, like the Lord calls those two things, like you're unfaithful or um, com- compares it to like a wife having an affair. Um, and so like we pray knowing that largely Israel um, has walked away from the Lord and is unfaithful, even though he's committed this revelation to them. Um, I know people that are not Jewish that the Lord has given promises to. He's revealed himself to in some ways that are not following him right now. And so if you think of people who have walked away from the Lord and the way that you pray for them in God's will, it, it will probably be applicable to Israel and vice versa. Like sometimes it's just easier to think of it in a different way. Um, Yeah, I wrote down, learning to pray for Israel is useful in praying for anyone who has received revelation from the Lord and promises, but is living um, like a hypocrite or has walked away from the Lord. Let's go to Romans 11. And I, I like this in the New Living Translation. Um, I think this little passage from, this is Romans 11, verse 28 through 32. And I think that this kind of holds the reason why we get so tripped up about praying for Israel. Um, in the New Living Translation, it says, many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news, and this benefits you Gentiles. Now, that's a weird place to be, that anybody else should be an enemy of God, but somehow it benefits you. You got to like, you got to be careful and you got to be careful what you put your hands to. Um, Yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for God's gifts and his callings can never be withdrawn. 
Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you. Instead, now they are the rebels, and God's mercy has come to you so that they too will share in God's mercy. For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. And here is, um, I, here's where we get caught up. I, my observation in the churches that I've been in in the way that I was able to pay attention to the way that they thought about Israel is um, like this weird ignoring of them and just not paying attention to them. Like, oh, we kind of take over for them and it, like it doesn't matter. Or the other, the other um, ditch is kind of this weird, like putting them on a pedestal, like they're magic or something because they have a promise in in this really weird way and both will, well one will get you not praying for them at all and one will get you praying weird things that are not the lord's will for them and so to get in that narrow road and just seeing them as people who have received promises who the lord has revealed things to and have not walked in them or embraced the the revelation it just kind of brings it all down to earth and kind of takes the anxiety out of praying for them like um because i know the lord's given me promises and he's not going to take them back right his promises um it says for the gifts and his call will never be withdrawn so when you go into the old testament and you read about his promises he's he is not forgetting about this he's not lazy in it he's he's going to um keep his promises now, that's important to me because I want him to keep his promises to me. Like, don't you want him? Don't you have promises? Well, okay, so is time, so much time gone by that you're like, well, it's all right if you forget about me. No, I don't want you to forget about me. I want you to keep your promises to me. That means when I know about the promises of, that Mary has, I want the Lord I, I'm excited to see. I want to pray into those. I want to see them fulfilled in her life because it's a testimony of God's faithfulness. And so when we look at the promises that God has given Israel, it's kind of, it kind of comes around. Maybe it's a little self-serving, but when I look at it, I think I, wanna, I want him to do that because he is faithful. I believe he's faithful to me. How can I not believe he's not faithful to them? Um, Flip. Um, something that has been a big, it's not one of our core values, but it really is something that runs through um, a lot of the teaching um, is just that we are careful not to steal what God has for another person, um, something that he's called them to do or to be. Um, so, you know, one of the examples um, that, you know, Tom and I have had conversations about this, Tom, Samantha, and I, um, like if, if it's Stephanie's turn to teach and she's nervous and she's like, I don't want to do it, you know, I don't slide in and be like, oh, I'm so sorry you're feeling so anxious. I could do that for you. Do you want me to do that for you? No. Like, I'm stealing what the Lord has, like, if, if he called Stephanie to teach, whatever, next week, um, and she's feeling anxious, I get into the Lord's plan for her. That means I'm praying for her, um, I, you know, just doing whatever the Lord calls me to do to affirm her and build her up so that she feels confident to do the things she's called to, not steal it. And so, like, the Lord isn't, we know he's not looking for a bunch of people that are really good at doing things. He's not. We, so that means we don't go, I mean, 
you have to know this is like an endless temptation to me to be like, I could do that thing better. All, probably a lot of us, some more than others, but I could do that thing better. Here, just let me do that for you. And it's like, no, like the Lord called that person to do it. And well, and sometimes it's like that person failed to do it and we have to just, we have to let it fail. Um, there's, uh, there's a passage, um, we won't go there just for time. It's in 2 Samuel 1, and it's when word has come to King David that Saul and Jonathan have died. Um, and there's like some kid that comes, and he was there when it happened. And so he's telling David the story, and he thinks that David will be um, happy to learn that his enemy is dead, and David is not. He's so, um, he's so heartbroken. He weeps about this and actually kills this kid. He has his, his dudes kill him because, like, you got it all twisted. I, you know, and he had waited for years and years and years for the Lord to fulfill the thing. He had a promise from the Lord, but he was not going to step on the Lord's anointed to get it. Whatever God has promised to you, you don't need anybody else to get thrown under a bus for you to get what the Lord has given you, you know? What the doors the Lord opens, no one can shut. And when he shuts doors, nobody opens them. Whatever is uh, kind of for each of us, he will. He is able to give us that without needing to watch somebody else fail. Um, now, we all know this. We feel very little. <laughs> it always feels like somebody else is like stealing all of the opportunities or something in some way. Um, in Isaiah 42, 3, um, it just says of Jesus in this prophecy that he won't, um, he won't break off a, a bruised reed, and he doesn't, when the flax is smoldering, like, he doesn't, like, extinguish it. He, um, um, in Luke 13, it, it gives um, another parable about him coming. He's like, well, let's, like, let's dig it up and fertilize around a plant, a plant that wasn't growing any fruit. And he's like, well, let's fertilize it. Let's see. Um, so knowing like this is the Lord's heart posture about Israel can really inform a lot of your praying is God, where are people trying to steal from them? Where are people trying to be God to them? That's another huge one. I mean, that's a whole, I'm not talking about it so much, but that's a huge one. Where are people presenting themselves as the salvation to Israel? There's, I think it's in Isaiah. There's a, um, maybe it's somewhere in the Bible. There's a, uh, like a passage and the Lord is correcting Egypt. And he says to Egypt, because Israel had gone to Egypt for, you know, for some time for like help. And Israel, of course, is getting in trouble. And it says, um, it compares Israel to like a reed that bends, like a, using it like a cane, like a, like a crutch, like they were leaning on you. And you bent and you broke and they're on the floor and he's judging um, Egypt for trying to be a salvation to them. So the Lord, I mean, obviously Israel's a mess because they went there, but also he judges Egypt. So um, when you think about yourself, when you think about the our political position of our country, you know, all of these things, are we trying to be a God to Israel? Are we trying to be a crutch? Are we like, do you need help? Do you want me to help you with that? Do you want me to save you? Do you need some, you know, like, do you need some guns? Like, what is it? What do you need help with? Um, those things should be done in the fear of the Lord. And it's not like he's not calling us, obviously calls us to help people all the time, but we have to be really careful about it. Um, something, um, 
something the Lord, um, just changing a little bit to um, this idea of they're the people that are receiving incremental um, revelation from the Lord. So even if you look at um, the revelation, the promises that Abraham receives, it's he, the Lord tells him like a number of times, right? And it's kind of growing. And, and so he's understanding the Lord's heart a little bit more. And every, every time the Lord reiterates the promise, it's, uh, there's a little spin on it. There's a little more information or it changes a little bit. Um, and um, something the Lord has just done for me is um, when I'm picturing heaven, somehow he's just like really graced my imagination because it's something that I pray about a lot. And something that's really changed is like I can see Jesus and he's he's glowing like he's white light like like the lamp like I can't even see his face and um I had I had asked Jonah if he would create this um like graphic for the conference and one of the pictures that he put on it was like Jesus on the throne and his face is just shining like it's so bright and I love it because it's really what the Lord has done for me and um and it's such it's like this filter like I'm standing before the Lord and I'm naked but you can't quite see it because the light is shining so bright but it's both things it's like I feel totally um, seen and known and loved and safe and all of this but at the same time I know um, and this is like really helping me with repentance because I know nothing I hold on to can be there my bitterness can't be there my anger can't be there Um, it's both of these things like the bright shining light and there is no compromise in it and it is everything that I need. And so I can't ask him to be everything that I need and bring all of my compromise with me. Um, and so that is a way that I have been praying for Israel. Um, so it's important, like, when somebody is asking for revelation, are they talking to the Lord? Like, it's just discernment. Are they talking to the Lord and we need to join them in their prayer to receive revelation? Or um, uh, like that story of the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. And Philip's there kind of right at the right time. This guy's asking questions and the Holy Spirit sends him to be the answer to him. And so, um, yeah, I was just thinking about the passage about like beautiful are the feet of those who go to preach the good news to Israel because how can they know unless they hear and how can they hear unless they're, somebody's telling them. And so the, that would be according to like, Lord, how do you want us preaching the good news and um, help it to reach Israel, um, help us to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, not our own like, oh, you're asking a question. Let me just tell you all the things I know about God, you know, kind of spewing out our own uh, wisdom. Um, and the Lord just told me that when we attend to the revelation in front of us, our hearts become good soil and he'll plant more revelation in it. So this is, this is the issue. You receive revelation and then you don't kind of take care of that thing. All right, Lord, you've shown me this about you. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to take it for my own and keep it. Um, when you do that, he's like, I'll entrust you with more. It's called intimacy, right? I was thinking about Moses. He, one person went up to get the law, right? The, the revelation of the law, it was received by one person. And so you might be like, well, if God really wanted all of them to know, he would have told all of them too, But guess what? All of them saw all of the miracles of the Exodus with their eyes. And so they could have been faithful to what the Lord 
the Lord made a choice to tell a person on that mountain. They saw all of the miracles, though, and they they should have, that was enough for them to know that God um, was going to take care of them, was faithful, was miracle working. They didn't have to be afraid. Do you know what I mean? Like if you just attend to the little bit that the Lord has given you, um, it creates good soil in your heart that the Lord can, um, can do more with. How long have I been talking? You guys ready? Okay. I have more. I'm going to stop, though. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'll come down. Do you guys all? Yeah, I am going to stop. Well, there's more. Well, like I said, it was the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need one with a back. I don't like the other ones. Okay. I'm going to leave all my stuff up here, I don't think. I didn't even write any questions down. Are you going to get your own microphone? Okay. Are you positioned so the camera can see you guys? This is a testimony. That's testimony time. Sideways is the best camera angle. It, it's like a, what's the angle? Like no, a 45 degree angle? No, that's the worst camera angle. If you've yeah, ever been at the prayer station, 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 you know that. Oh, it's the worst? <laughs> the, least, yeah. the least flattering. I'm angry. <laughs> ah. All right, so Lord, um, I'm just praying that you would, um, yeah, like just that I would have curiosity and ask the right questions and that you would just um, let flow out of Tom and Sam what you're saying and what we should know. Um, yeah, in Jesus' name. So one of my questions was, because I was thinking a lot about my history and understanding of Israel from the time I, like, I was a kid, and so I was curious for you guys, like, what was your kind of upbringing and, like, where was your base knowledge of Israel? I'll start. Okay. Um, so I grew up um, in a actually very um, heavily Jewish community. Um, there was a lot of Jewish people around me, but my church um, did not... Um, respect or even really like them, like Jewish people. So I didn't grow up like hating Jewish people, but it was kind of okay to make fun of them. Like, you know, there were characteristics that now I know that's anti-Semitic and like even the thought of the jokes that, that we just made as a matter of course at our church, like even from the pulpit, like there would be jokes about well, if we were Jewish, we'd have to walk to our church on Sunday, you know, like from up here. So I grew up with that. And so I just thought that was normal, actually. And this is why I just wanted to say it first, until I met Tom's family. It was actually Tom's grandma that started talking to me. I'm, Tom told me some stuff, but I didn't know him to be an accurate source yet <laughs> on that. And so it was really We're his... We're still finding out. Yeah, it was really his grandma that, that taught me that um, how much Jesus loves Israel and how much um, purpose they still had. So I, I wouldn't say that my church even knew they were replacement theory, but they were unkind to Jewish people. Can I ask you a question about that? Do yeah. you remember times where you had to like repent for just oh, like oh, the racism yeah. and Oh the... yeah, I I did. I did a, after I met Tom's 
grandma because she wasn't, um, she didn't mince words about that. So I actually, and she had a whole prayer for Israel. She had a whole prayer for Israel that was on her refrigerator. Like it was a list My of entire prayers. Childhood. She had yeah. And so I actually, even before I probably knew enough about repenting, I was really sorry before the Lord because she kind of, she led me in that without ever making me feel condemned or terrible. But I felt terrible because, but she, she was the greatest. So anyways. So, yeah, I mean, I, I valued Israel as a nation to pray for from the time I was a tiny kid. My grandma just always did. She would tell a story of being a teenager herself in 1949, 48, 49, sometime, and she said that her dad, who was a pastor, he was a, a circuit preacher for the Methodist Church, when Israel became a nation, he called his whole family, and there were 10 kids, um, into the house, and they all listened to the announcement on the radio together, and she was like, that was, my dad said, that was the biggest miracle the earth had seen since Jesus rose again. And so for her, that was just always really important to not let go of the fact that she had witnessed the greatest miracle on the planet since Jesus had resurrected. And so she just kind of always carried that. That was something that she gave to all of us, you know, just this idea that there was this weird country somewhere that really mattered to God and was in the Bible and that all of our destiny lie in them being saved. So... I didn't really get much about Israel from church, and I didn't really get much about Jesus from church, to be honest. Most, I went, we went to Methodist churches and Presbyterian churches, and I loved them, and I liked the community, but most of my theology I got from my grandparents. So. Do you know where your grandma learned to pray? No. <laughs> She's always a, she was just kind of like a weird kid that way. I, yeah, that was her testimony when I met her was she just did. And she really wanted to, like she desperately wanted to know Jesus, and so she asked him desperately. So all ten, or all nine of her siblings, she was really the only one that was even remotely like that. Every book report she did in, in school was about Jesus, and yeah, she would teach people to pray. She had a ministry of praying on the phone, like people would call her from all over the country and tell her their problems, and she'd pray for them. Yeah, if we were at any family thing, most family things would get interrupted by phone calls of someone wanting her to pray for them, like always. So did you in your adulthood, besides, you know, a grandma that taught you to value Israel into adulthood and church experiences, like after you guys got married and started having kids, um, was there... Um, did you have church experiences that were growing your understanding of Israel and its importance? Yeah, so uh, in 2011, we started to connect. And I think everybody here knows the story of, you know, I had this experience. Somebody gave me a book about um, that Mike Bickle had written about the life of David. And I read it and started to think that I had to figure out if the guy who wrote it, Mike Bickle, was a cult leader or if this was real because the book was having a big impact on my life. So we went in April, of, the end of April of 2011, we went as a family to the International House of Prayer, and we started to find out that one of their core values was praying for Israel, which just dovetailed with something I'd already cared about. 
Um, and I had had a list. So I had a prayer list that I would pray over my family, over the city of Kalamazoo. Um, I, I have certain streets that I pray in a certain order. And I had a list. Zippy lived in your lap. And Mamad Abbas, Cyber, Kat Martin, Dick, John Kerry, Barack Obama, Herzog, Otavli, Lieberman, Glick. Like, and I do this every day. I pray for these leaders. So this idea that the International House of Prayer cared about this, that they really were connecting with, like, Harry Truman being a part of politically creating Israel in 1948, 49, like that just clicked. So when we were part of starting K-Hop, the very first set K-Hop ever did was an Israel set. The first formal set, we did like a Friday night thing. And then the very first actual prayer set was a two-hour Israel set on Tuesday nights, six to eight. That's, that was my set because God just showed me the, this, all of this that we're doing is really about Israel. Like it's really about being a witness that Kind of what you said. She's a, a wife that's forgotten her husband. And, like, we're supposed to be a witness that our husband is worth it. Like, no matter what it costs, he's worth it. And I just, that was the core of all, all my experience with the House of Prayer. So, right before, so that, that happened, kind of that revelation that happened before you were involved in any House of Prayer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. So, yeah. it's been foundational since the beginning. Yeah. Okay because I have memories of it from the beginning. Like, maybe it's just me, but it's always been there. No. Um, how did your... I know that you had kind of an interest in politics anyway in your adult life. How has that kind of informed how you see the Middle East and um, your understanding of the Bible and Israel? How has that helped you? Yeah, so I think my interest in politics and probably, I won't speak for you, but I think probably yours, most of that interest isn't actually in politics, isn't in the return of Jesus. It's just politics is a good way to measure certain biblical prophecies. So watching like 19, probably about 1996, 1997, like I felt like the Lord started to talk to me about the fact that he was coming back really soon. So I got really interested in watching, like I would, I was a pre-trib dispensational Presbyterian kid that went to a Lutheran church that... <laughs> so meaning you thought we could be raptured at any time. Yeah, I just wanted to get raptured. you were just read. You were trying to be rapture ready. Yeah. Right? And we, yeah. Had, we had lots of bills and stuff, and I thought if we got raptured, I wouldn't have to pay them. So it was like, I wanted to get raptured. Like, all these responsibilities and problems would go away. And so I started to really watch the news, and I, wanted, I have a mind that wants to figure out how things... We were talking about this yesterday. How things fit together, and it just... It makes sense to me. Like, it just clicks. So I've seen Israel as the center of the politics for years and years, since then, since then. So can I say something about that? So um, we were talking about this in the car yesterday, um, and Tom was re-giving me the overview, because I was asking questions. He was re-giving me the overview. that was lecture 56. No. No. (laughs) He was re-giving me the, um, you know, like, Words like Sykes Pico, that's like uh, the carving up of the Middle East. After yes, World War it's I. like a treaty that occurred. Um, and so he's he's sort of explaining this whole process to me again that I know, but I don't know. Like I could, like I can't even say to you that Sykes Pico what it was, but I know that it's important. And what I just wanted to say about that is, it's really important to to keep going over where you can the political. And the the historical, I'd say not even the political, but the historical Why people are so angry. Yeah, of, of why everybody's so hot with each other. But, like, 
it's not essential to pray for Israel that you have the command of it that you might see someone else have. Like it helps me for Tom to go over these things with me. And so I ask him sometimes like, okay, talk to me about why these people do this and why these people do that again. And it, it, it helps me and it informs my prayers for later, but it, I can, if it, I let it, I can be intimidated and stop praying because I feel like I don't have a good grasp on it. And so that's what I just want to say as part of my testimony is I don't have that great of a grasp on it. I couldn't re-explain it all, but I still can really pray for it because God knows my heart is to learn more. My heart isn't that I would always say Sykes-Pico and not know what that means. My heart is that I, I would one day know what it means. And my grasp on that stuff is actually the probably the biggest hindrance to praying spiritually, like spirit-led prayers about Israel. Because you're like... I think I know what God should do. Right. <laughs> um, what would you say to the... What would you say the American church is missing about Israel? Um, and, and not just like, what are the marks that they're missing, but what are they void of because of misunderstanding the Lord's heart about Israel? We can, I think we would both answer that. Um, what I would say is that um, two things, um, that they are different from me in terms of um, they're, they're, a com- they're a people that comes from a completely different, like, entire whole background than I have, and they're absolutely the same as me because they're people. And so I can pray for them asking God to reveal like what is different? What is the upbringing that they have? Like, I don't know what, like it's something Eastern versus Western. Like my mindset is just completely different. And so I have to ask God about that. And then I have to ask God about what is the same about me, like when I read about the Israelites and I'm like, I can't believe they were so stupid to do that. And then I'm like, oh, I just did something exactly like that yesterday. And I can come into where we're the same. Um, that's what I think the church is, is lacking is, is actually the two sides of it. Just think, thinking they're different, but not thinking they're different in the right ways and then thinking they're the same, but not realizing that they're different. Does that make sense? I think the thing that we're missing as a Western church is the biblical narrative of what God is doing with Israel and related to us. So that Romans 10 and 11, like I think that we, we lack an ability to see that Israel is a pregnant woman. Like if we treated her like a pregnant woman, then we would hear her cries differently. We'd, We'd be like, oh, there's a, com- there's a discomfort inside of her because she's carrying something that's hard to carry. And I don't want to try and carry that myself. That would be awful to abort the baby to carry it. And I don't want to overfeed her because, yes, she's hungry, but she's hungry because she's carrying something. So if I just, like, throw food at her because that might be the thing she's saying she wants right now, that's not really going to help a pregnant lady. Like, just to bear with her as a pregnant woman. I mean, this is what it says in Revelation 12, that she's pregnant. <laughs> like, and I think 
just God showing that to me, this narrative of being a help and um, not trying to be God to her and also not being indifferent to recognize that these cries are coming from an experience that I can't say originated with me, but I can be grafted into it. I can learn that when one part suffers, we all suffer. And I can learn, like when I see how Israel's backslidden and fallen away, it shows me how I am backslidden and fallen away, like how I'm not carrying my promises right. And so I think that's what the church lacks is empathy. So the Lord gave you um, just a revelation about the importance of repentance in everyone's life, in your life. And so how does that, um, how does repentance being kind of always in your peripheral, how does it impact the way that you pray for Israel? I think it affects me to know that my, the, the, come, the return of Jesus, according to Romans 10 11, is dependent on all of Israel being saved. Like, there, he's waiting, in Zechariah 12, it says he's going to pour out a spirit of grace and supplication. They're going to look on the, the cornerstone rejected, the one that they pierced. They're going to mourn him. And that the ushering in of the millennial reign is dependent on that. But, so I'm waiting on something to happen for Israel. But Israel's waiting for a prophetic witness that inspires jealousy for her. So I just kind of, I feel like repentance shows me, I, I have a lot that has to change in me to see Jesus return, not just because I need to be ready, but because people need to see a witness of somebody who's like, I'm dust without him. And I think that's what he's waiting for. Like the church is just so afraid of being, of losing her rights or having something taken that she's asserting that we're not dust, we're victory, we're conquerors, which is the worst witness for Israel. And so I just think repentance is the key that all this hinges on. It's the hinge everything's on. And when the church sees, or when Israel sees the church saying, but for the grace of God, that's when she's going to say, I, that's my God. <laughs> like, I want that. And I think he's orchestrating events in the earth right now to, to have the timing of that happen at exactly the right moment. So I don't want to, it's like the surfing analogy. I want to paddle into that moment when Israel hits that wave. Um, so I would agree with that. What I would say is that I've really learned that if we, if I can repent, anyone can repent. If, if I can come out of, but if I stand as a witness that I don't need repentance, that's what I'm shining out is that I don't need to change, that I don't need repentance. And I think like when we, when we went to Israel, it was, I don't know, you hear about people going to Israel just for sightseeing, and we weren't going just for that, but it was like we knew that there were things that had been prophesied over us for many years when we were going, and it's like it feels like pressure to do, like even praying for Israel feels like pressure to do something for Israel or to convince something of someone. And Tom said to me on the plane, and I don't know if we talked about it beforehand, but he's like, we're just going to be witnesses of something. And then while I was, um, was were we on our way back? At some point, I realized you guys know about the it is well with my soul guy, um, Horatio Spafford. 
um, th there's all this stuff about how his um, kids died um, on their way to come visit him, and so this song came out of it. But what isn't really known about him is that he and his wife left everything in Gosh. Chicago um, to move to Israel, and they actually spent most of their lives living in Israel. Um, and one of the things that they were committed to was just going there to be witnesses, not to, um, not to, what's it called when you're trying to convince? To, yes, all of the different groups. They were just going there to be salt and light, like to serve people. And like they have a whole community that exists there the today. It's called the American colony that exists there. And at the same time, they like, they had some really weird things that were going on for that, like where they got off track a little bit too, because they knew they were the bride of Christ. They knew they were to represent the bride and they knew Israel was critical to Jesus coming back like 120 years ago. They actually knew all these things and they just went there to be salt and light. And I just think that it without repentance, like without without something to be a witness of, we're always a witness of something. And so I want to be a witness of what's true what she and needs. real. Yeah. yeah, and of what Israel needs. So I felt like my Next question, you're kind of touching on it, is um, what would you say to someone um, who is just um, just kind of burning to, to, like, burning with love for Israel, and it just feels like, like, I got to do something, I got to go there, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to do this. I think God is, you know, like, all of this, you know, when you just get something inside of you, right, and you're just like, okay, God, what do you want me to do about it, and and it's um, and it feels like a fire inside of them. Like, how would you counsel that person? Um, yeah. So, what Israel needs, according to the Bible, is a witness to be jealous of, and that witness is a witness of hearing God and obeying Him, even when it doesn't make sense to the flesh. That's Abraham. You know, called gave the call to Abraham, come from your father's house to a place I'm going to show you. Like, you don't know where you're going. So, I would say that initial revelation of a destiny to be a partner with Jesus in the God. I mean, that's the gospel of the great commission, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Like the very first thing is I got to get patience and faith and hear God. <laughs> so like, it's very tempting to take that initial revelation and then run with it like Saul or run with it like Abraham or run with it. Like, you know, everybody starts in the flesh, but to get to the point where you're like, okay, I let, I'm going to let this promise burn inside of me, and I'm only going to take the steps God ordains as he ordains them. It, I feel like Sam and I have, have seen this work out with us going to Israel. We've been trying to do this for 15 years, and like he's literally going to take us to the thing. We haven't done it well, but we've wanted to. And so I think learning to wait on the Lord in the promise. Yeah, I would say the first thing to do is The first thing to do is cling to it and let it go all at the same time. And that's like, that's actually impossible. But um, that's my testimony is that I I've known we would go. I knew we would go. Um, and I thought God would just like, the, the world would, you know, he'd take the whole world and 
dump it Make up, a mess. You know, throw it up in the air, and we'd get swept away, barfed out in Israel. <laughs> like, you know, we'd just get sent there. And I realize now that wouldn't have taken any faith. It's the choice to that do it. Takes yeah, the and so it's like, it, but but to completely let go of it, like to feel like everything that you, you've done is sort of slipping it's not happening the way you understood it it's it's not all going the way that you thought and then all of a sudden you're standing there in the middle of the street where Jesus was and you knew sitting in your church aisle that you were going to smell it and you can smell it like you're breathing the air and really it's just because he's faithful. Like, he just is. Can you grab tissue for I got there right um, Get your own tissue. Should I know? We're asking questions till somebody cries. Preferably both of you. You need to repent. That was mean of women's conferences. It's true. It's true. There's a lot of crying. Um, and nobody leaves, so you're all crying. Yeah. Um, so on the flip side of that, what do you say when to people who are like, oh, apparently Israel's important? I mean, I hear about it. It's in the Bible. I understand, but I don't, I don't got it. I don't got it in my heart. Barely keep it in my head. I Love you, Jesus, but I don't care. You know, and I think we all probably have things like that that we just don't care about. That some people are meant, like the Lord puts a bug in your heart about orphans, and the Lord puts a bug in your heart about the elderly. And like you guys just have a bug for Israel, and that's your thing, and we bless you and release you, but it's not my thing. What would you say to that? He's a Jewish man, and he's prepared a place for us to live with him forever. And that place is coming down to this place. And that is where all the orphans are going to get taken care of and where all the wealth is going to stream from and all the renewal is going to come from. So you can't divorce following Jesus from the place that he is destined to live. And so the Bible says that when he's taken away, they'll fast and pray. And they're not just fasting and praying like, on a Friday night, you know, because that's what they decided to do. It's a lifestyle of putting everything else on hold until that Messiah's feet are on that temple mount, ruling and reigning, because every problem in our families, every problem in our marriages, every problem in our city is because his feet aren't on that hill. And because the whole Bible started there, it ends up, it's through the whole thing. So you can't, I'm just agreeing. You can't separate it out. And and our actual, the redemption of everything we want is entirely dependent on Israel. It's because God said it would be. That isn't the way he had to do it. It's just the way he's doing it. And so um, I want to come into agreement with what God says, not with what I think he would have said. She's pregnant with all of all of the healing. All I mean, she literally gave birth to the Messiah. She's she's carrying all the renewal, and she's and paying the price for it. Yes, she's been um, 
I think one of the biggest pieces of evidence for me is, is Satan has been trying to destroy her from the beginning and, um, and he can't. What, um, what are the ramifications in the church for trying to ignore is like just the separation or being content with ignoring Israel that we might not connect like this thing is happening because we're ignoring Israel. Yeah, so the Lord, he talks in Malachi um, about indifference, and then he talks again in Zephaniah, and he's actually recording indifference, like he's keeping a record, uh, he's making a book of people that care. So the sealing of the, of the people in Ezekiel 9, he says, you know, he says that the angel go through the city of Jerusalem, mark those who are moaning and sighing the abominations done in the city, everybody else kill them. Because you can't be indifferent about your destiny and still get it and so our destiny is in israel it really is so what i would say it's actually super clear if you don't care about what jesus cares about what god cares about you are not with him and so you won't be with him forever so it's um if you're choosing to agree with that separation now he he's he's not going to force anyone to care, um, but he will he'll bring you in, in the steps. Like you you don't have to care how someone else cares. You just have to start saying he he just won't um, he won't return that void if you were to just say Jesus. I don't care like I, want I don't to. care about Israel, but I want to care about what you care about. Jesus revealed to me what you feel like about Israel, like he he will, but if you refuse to do that, he won't. Like the, I just I believe strongly and and I think I'm correct by the Bible that people who didn't care are are probably not going to be with him in the first resurrection. Well, in the sure. in Matthew 6 Jesus says Gentiles, pagans worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear. Don't worry about any of that. The kingdom, seek first the kingdom of God and the rest will be added unto you. So the idea is it's a kingdom. It's not just a person. It's not just Jesus. It's not just the father. It's, you, can't dis, you can't separate these things. It's a government. And that government finds its seat in Jerusalem. And so to seek first the kingdom, we really have to seek that aspect of it as well, knowing that all the rest is given to that. Though it's very costly, which is why Jesus said it. It's called, you have to give up what you, other things you care about to care about his kingdom, but everything you need to feed, to take care of all those things comes from his kingdom. It's just a different way of seeing the world. How are you, this might be a hard one, how are you guys praying for the body at Lighthop in light of Israel and our heart towards Israel? Yeah, so I'm praying that the seeds, because I think we are all carrying seeds of prayer. I think that we all have a history, kind of like Samantha has a history that she grew up with and is now seeing and repenting. I have a history that I grew up with. I'm now seeing things and repenting of certain things. I think we all have a unique expression of prayer, and that's why God's gathered us together. And so I'm praying that those seeds, as Israel's shaken among the nations, not one true grain will be lost, and the tabernacle of David is 
he's going to restore that in this process of shaking Israel among the nations. So right now, Israel is being shaken very significantly among the nations. Like there's literally police locking down neighborhoods because Palestinians are shooting at Jewish people and Jewish people last night are raiding Palestinian villages. And so I believe that God's going to take Light Hop and shine it as a witness in the coming months. And so I'm praying that. I'm just praying that we would take our own personal repentance, our own idols, that we'd throw them at his feet, even though it's costly, even though it means giving up rights to be right or looking bad or all these things, that we'd just be willing to be like Jesus. I mean, completely misunderstood, but saying, Father, forgive them, that that would shine, not just because we're looking at Israel and saying, Father, forgive them, but we're looking at our spouses, our kids, our, we're laying down our rights and, and growing in the Christ-likeness that needs to shine. So I just, that's what I'm praying for us. What I pray is that we would all um, just see that we're going there eventually. We're all going there eventually. If we're going with Jesus, we're going to be marching with him to that city. Um, we're all going there so that we would see it as our home and care for it as our home, that we care for it as as brothers and sisters. And I think something that you said today has been really helpful to me in the process of that, which is writing down, like, if you think to yourself, well, I can't remember what to pray about Israel, or I can't remember, like, at one point when we were starting this prayer set, Tom was like, pray from this passage, this passage, and he just, he listed them out right off the top of his head, and I was like, whoa. I cannot remember them, but I just wrote them in a that's note. That's what a clipboard is for. Yes, that's what a clipboard is a clipboard. for, and I don't always have my clipboard, or I do still whip out the clipboard from time to time, but uh, I have a little notepad in my phone, and I just have Israel, and I have these passages listed so that any, God, the Holy Spirit, you just read what he says, and almost anywhere you could open in the book of Isaiah, you know, that's just one place where you can always find his heart for Israel. Um, but if you if you feel like, oh, I'm always disconnected from that, just everything that's important to you, you figure out a way to get it done. You don't forget to go grocery shopping. Like, you don't forget about that. You, you figure out a way to put that in your system to get it done. And... Um, okay, last question, and then we're gonna respond. Um, and I didn't, I didn't think it, I, I didn't mean for it to go this place. Um, but you guys are getting ready to go to Israel, and so right now, so far in your, you know, leading up and preparing to go, are there ways that we should be praying for you guys, and um, that might not be obvious to us. The things that might not be obvious. What do we need prayer for as we get ready to go to Israel? Um, I, I would say to be, um, to be faithful and to be a witness. And um, I, I've always known we were supposed to be as we're as tied here. Um, as we are there, like it's crazy when we when we walked out. It I, that feels like home, and this is home. Um, and just that 
that we do what God says to do every day, that we wake up and do what he says to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's so I, what you pray for me. <laughs> just add um, patience because we do have a very difficult thing and a glorious thing. Like we really want to do it and we're really afraid to do it at the same time. Um, and so both of those tempt us to fixing problems and getting things done. Um, and so we both, I think we both are feeling like we need a lot of patience, a lot of faith. God is pouring out like a lot of supernatural, like we're seeing prophecies that we forgot about that he's given us like real specific dates. And like we booked our apartment on a date that he prophesied 10 months ago. We didn't connect it. So I just think praying for us to have eyes to see that what God's already given us would be helpful. And uh, you probably all know this already, but um, just for um, our kids, you know, here, and um, just those those things that as a mom, you um, don't want to be apart from. Um, yeah, so for our kids, just to... Um, yeah, really feel the Lord. I think they do, um, but yeah. yeah. That'd be high on my list. Oh, thanks, you guys. Sam didn't know she was going to be crying. All yeah, morning, so. I'm sorry. He wouldn't have worn that white shirt. Are you responding? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so we're going to pray for Israel. And thanks for participating, you guys. Get ready. Flop open to Isaiah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Lord, uh, just thank you. Um, just thank you, Lord, for revelation unfolding. Thank you for grandmas, the had a list on their fridge and it led to something else, to an understanding. And God, I just, um, I just think back to my church history or my young, like teenage years. And there was just always a lady at church and she liked flags and she liked Israel. And I didn't understand why, but thank you that she was there. God, that she, and like, even just this very second and realizing she was a witness and it laid some kind of foundation in my heart that you could put something else on. So God, um, Lord, we, uh, we step out of despising our weakness. Um, we step out of despising the, the smallness of the light that we shine. Um, we don't know what your light is doing, God, and we don't know the foundation it's laying in somebody else's life, and we just step into faith and into believing you. So I just pray for this congregation, Lord, that you would um, just tie up doubt and throw it into the sea in the name of Jesus, that we would be filled with faith, that we could be faithful people. God, teach us how to pray and teach us how to pray for Israel. Lord, um, just thank you for what you've done in Sam's heart that she could feel at home, uh, literally in two places in the, on the planet, one on the other side of the planet. And that's a miracle. God, I'm just asking, what are, the, what are you wanting to do in our hearts? I pray that our hearts will be open. Connect us as a family, even as Tom and Sam are getting ready to leave. 
Um, would you do that in, in the next couple of months, God, as we're waiting uh, for them to go, that you would just start tying us all together as a family, that we could feel connected, connected with you as our head. 